Welcome back to the 5-Minute Bible Lesson, Mastering the Word. We're going to continue our series of Mastering the Word by reading through 1 Kings and 2 Kings. We're going to summarize these books in hopes that we can better understand the gospel and, well, the Bible as a whole. We're going to start in 1 Kings, the storyline. The book of 1 Kings opens with the death of the great King David. Before he died, David named one of his sons Solomon as his successor. The first half of 1 Kings is about Solomon's establishing his kingdom, building the temple, and amassing his unimaginable wealth. The second half of 1 Kings is about the kingdom after Solomon. Things get a little complicated here, so hang on tight. The one kingdom of Israel divides into two kingdoms, Israel, the northern kingdom, later called Samaria, and Judah, the southern kingdom. It was an ongoing civil war. King Solomon was known for his wisdom. In fact, God appeared to Solomon in a dream and told him to ask for anything he wanted. Who wouldn't love to be in that dream? The God of all creation offering you anything. Could be dangerous, right? <laughs> Just kidding. Solomon's request was a surprising one. He asked for wisdom to rule well and to know right from wrong. God rewarded such a request by giving Solomon not only wisdom and understanding, but also the wealth and honor that he could have asked for, but didn't. One of the first things Solomon did as a king was build a beautiful temple. Solomon then built his own palace, uh, took 13 years, and continued to amass amazing wealth. Sounds great, right? Well, there was one little problem. One little problem. Way back when, Solomon had married a foreigner, a girl from Egypt, where his forefathers had been slaves, you might know. Along with his wife came her religious practices of worshipping idols. He also married many other women who worshipped other gods. Wouldn't you know it, while things were going great for Solomon, he got more and more tolerant of these idol worship practices until he was worshipping false gods. It was like spitting in the face of God Almighty. By the end of Solomon's life, he was a disillusioned old man. He had let go of his foundation and his kingdom went downhill after him. The Divided Kingdom. You might remember that the origin of the 12 tribes of Israel was the 12 sons of Jacob, whom God renamed Israel. They all traveled to Egypt and then traveled back to the land of, you got it, Israel. One tribe, the descendants of Levi, were given no land because they were the priests and would work in the temple rather than work the land. The land was divided among the other tribes. After Solomon's death, a civil conflict broke out. The northern tribes followed a man named Jeroboam, the southern tribes, Benjamin, Judah, continued to follow Solomon's son, Reho Rehoboam, excuse me. They never reunited. Excuse me, that was Rehoboam. <laughs> Anywho, moving forward. One of the most favorite, uh, famous kings of the northern kingdom of Israel was Ahab. You've probably heard of King Ahab and his wife, Queen Jezebel. You may have even heard of someone referred to as a Jezebel. If so, you probably steered clear of her. Jezebel was a mess. She was the Cruella de Vil of her day. If you had lived in the southern kingdom, she had probably been called a floozy. Ahab wasn't a lot better, but he didn't come across as quite so... Con well, you know. <laughs> Behind every bad man, there is usually a worse woman. Ahab reigned for 22 years. The Bible says he had the sins of the former kings look, or he made the sins of the former kings look trivial. In fact, the Bible says that Ahab did more to provoke God's anger than all the kings before him. He and his wife revealed in the worship of Baal, or excuse me, they reveled in the worship of Baal. 
They were downright zealous about it because they encouraged evil as much as they could. There was one man who stood in their way, an important player in the story of 1 Kings, is the prophet Elijah, who my son is named after, a beacon in the dark day and an, aggra and an aggravated flea in Jezebel's proverbial name. Elijah. Elijah was a Tishabite. Funny word, say it out loud. He was from a place called Tishbe. He, was he first appeared when he announced to King Ahab that God was about to declare a drought. Elijah didn't always come out on top. Once in particular, he got the poor me willies when he had worked really hard to confront evil and all he got for it was run out of town. But most often, Elijah had great faith and God used him and provided for him in miraculous ways. He was fed by ravens once. Another time, a widow's flour and oil were miraculously replenished because she fed him. It was even through Elijah that a woman's son was brought back to life, but there is definitely one mirac uh, miracle that is Elijah's all-time claim to fame. The Big Showdown Elijah invited Ahab and Jezebel's false religion to a showdown once. It was on top of Mark Carmel, Mount Carmel. excuse me. <laughs> he instructed the prophets of Baal, an idol, to build an altar, place a sacrifice there, and to pray to their god to send down fire to light the altar. Elijah built an altar as well and soaked it in the barrels and barrels of water. As you can imagine, the Baal, I, excuse me, the Baal prophets prayed and danced and shouted and even, yes, really cut themselves to show their fervor and sincerity. But when you are praying to nothing, nothing happens. No fire from heaven, only a lot of bleeding prophets and some very raw meat. Then Elijah prayed over his wet, soggy sacrifice of an altar. God responded, fire came down from heaven and consumed that altar, that sacrifice, and the water. It was a good day for God's people. It was a bad day for Baal's, excuse me, Baal's prophets, who were chased down and killed. And boy, was Jezebel mad. A nation divided. We're now in 2 Kings. The book of 2 Kings is a sequel to 1 Kings. Israel had divided into two kingdoms, northern Israel, southern Judah, with their own separate kings, separate economies, separate worships, and separate problems. Throughout the different governments, God sent prophets to call the people back to obedience. Unfortunately, they continued to return to idolatry. In the end, each kingdom fell. The northern kingdom fell to the Assyrians, and the southern kingdom fell to the Babylonians. Excuse me. <laughs> two good kings. There were two kings in the southern kingdom that tried to get their country back in line. The first was Hezekiah. One of the, his first official acts was to restore and open the temple and to destroy the idol altars and worshipping center. One of the biggest contributions was, a, was to create an adequate system so that water came within Jerusalem's city walls so that during battle they could survive without having to leave the city. The second righteous king was... Josiah. Josiah crowned king, excuse me, Josiah was crowned king at the age of eight. He also restored the temple and in doing so found an old copy of the book of the law, probably Deuteronomy. Because of this book, Josiah called himself and his people to a new level of understanding and obedience. Josiah was killed in battle at only 39 years of age. During Israel and Judah's time of falling away from God, they were constantly reminded of their mistakes by prophets. These men sometimes foretold the future, but also just told the truth. They spoke with the kings. They were known throughout the land. Often, they were respected as well 
as abused. One of the most famous prophets was Elijah. Elijah left the earth not through death, but through a chariot of fire, a story you allude to every time you sing, swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. I, I guess I never knew that. <laughs> I almost wanted to sing it. Elisha's apprentice prophet, Elisha, that is spelled E-L-I-S-H-A, Elisha lived an honorable life and even established a school for prophets. So as we conclude now with the study of First and Second Kings, next we're going to look at First and Second Chronicles at a different day, which is kind of like a summary of everything we pretty much just read, the Old Testament story so far of how it began and how it ends with uh, the Babylonian exile, and I think it talks about the return, you'll have to forgive me, the return and the dispensation and all that. And so, what can we learn from this? Well, it's important to look at the Old Testament as much as it might seem, dare I say, dry to read, but it's important because the Bible is one unified story that tells the story of God's redeeming purposes for mankind through Jesus Christ. And so, to get a better picture of the gospel, it's important to read the Old Testament is it essential for knowing Jesus? Perhaps not, because the Gentiles who came to faith in the first century and so on and so forth, well, they didn't really know the Old Testament. They knew Jesus, and that's what they needed to know. But from my personal experience, the more you dive into the Bible, including the Old Testament, the more appreciation and understanding you have for Jesus. Yes, when I became a Christian 11 years ago, my knowledge of him was slim, but it was enough to believe, right? But as I grow in knowledge of him, you really understand more and more every day of what the Lord has truly done for you and me. And so I invite you to continue to uh, dive into the scriptures with me in mastering the word. Again, we're not diving into all of it. We are just looking at the summaries to Get a better understanding of how we got to Jesus and how we get to, well, where we are today. So thank you, and I hope and pray and invite you to share this lesson with others.